Haymaker Coffee Company was established in 2021 to create the best coffee to fuel the underdogs who perseveres, who hustles, and have the give-it-all mentality to achieve their American dream. Haymaker Coffee only roasts top-quality, specialty-grade coffee beans resulting in brews that satisfies those who demand every drop from their coffee and day. If you work hard, run hard, fight hard, and play hard, we have your coffee right here. What's going on, everybody? Keith Bennett here. Really excited to be your host for today's The Stripe Show podcast episode. So when Travis asked me to host today's episode, I was super excited. I've been on the podcast before talking to Travis, but haven't had the opportunity to actually host an episode. So this is going to be a lot of fun. So something I thought would be cool is if I reached out a couple days before this episode and asked you all through my Instagram, if there were any instructional concepts or topics that you wanted me to talk about on today's episode. And luckily, a ton of you submitted questions. So I went ahead, I sorted through all those and I grabbed some ones that I felt the golfing population as a whole usually all have the same questions about. I'm also going to throw in one, maybe two of my own topics that I think most people could use some help with. So what we're going to do is we're going to grab those questions. We're going to go through them. I'm going to stand in the front of the camera here. I'm going to talk you through what's going on as it relates to those topics and give you some things to work on so they help you fix those issues in your swing and ultimately help you play better golf. So we're up here, sunny Seattle, Washington. We don't get to say that very often at the beautiful golf club at Newcastle here in Newcastle, Washington, about 25 minutes east of downtown Seattle. So again, thank you for Travis for having me on today's episode and let's have some fun. Question number one, how do I avoid chicken winging in the follow through or how do I even execute a proper follow through? So something I express to all of my students who are experiencing the chicken wing follow through is that the chicken wing is actually the result of something that caused it earlier in the golf swing. Okay, so whatever's happening post impact is a direct relationship to what happened prior to that. So it's your body reacting to the variables that you are bringing into impact. So for everybody suffering from that chicken wing, nine out of 10 times, it is because the club shaft is coming down steeply in the downswing and your club face is open. Okay, now your brain knows that the club is swinging exaggeratedly left and that if it doesn't hold the face open, if it squares that face to that overly left path, the ball is going to go low and left. So what does it do? It fights like heck to keep that face open. And one way for it to do that is to fold this left or lead elbow, left elbow for me is a righty, lead elbow, and to really hold that folded elbow as long as it can into the follow through. And you can see here that that's going to keep the face angle pointed out to the right. So if we take this from the down the line, that keeps that face angle open to the right. So that offsets, that will offset the fact that my club path is swinging so much left, that open face is going to help the golf ball start a hair left of target line but then eventually fade or slice back into play. So it's helping you out. We need to understand that the chicken wing is kind of helping you out. If I allowed my left arm to fold and roll the way it needs to for a proper follow through with that steep shaft, I'd hit snap hooks low and left. That would be basically unplayable. So we need you, if you want to get rid of that chicken wing, we need you to get rid of this overly steep shaft with an open club face. So what we need to work on is we need to work on going up to the top of our backswing 
and allowing that club shaft to shallow out and to pitch behind me. So you can see here on camera that that club shaft is becoming almost 90 degrees to my spine angle in the downswing. The last thing we also need to do is start to flex or bow that lead wrist, okay? That is a club face squaring mechanism. If I can do that, if I can get the club shaft 90 degrees to my spine angle and I can get that left wrist flexing or bowing, a lead wrist to bow, my club face is preparing itself for impact early in the downswing. The shaft is shallowing out early in the downswing. And now from here, because the face is square, the shaft is shallow, it's going to allow me to roll and extend my forearms properly through impact, which is going to lend itself to a proper follow-through. So the proper follow-through is going to look something like this, where that left arm is rolling. It's going into that external rotation here, and that allows the arms to fold properly in the follow-through. But that's not going to be possible unless the shaft is shallow, the face is square, and then the proper follow-through is going to be a direct result of the shallow shaft in the squared up club face. So to recap here, if you want to get rid of that chicken wing, you got to understand that it is because of the variables you're bringing to impact, which is the steep shaft and the open face. You need to get that shaft shallowing earlier and the face squared up earlier so that your body can learn to react differently. Glenn Fittich, the world's most awarded single malt scotch whiskey is expertly crafted and made with extraordinary care. Each single malt is a work of perfection. All right, next up, what is your pre-shot routine? That's the question I was asked. What is your pre-shot routine? And really the larger topic here is what is a pre-shot routine and how do I establish when I find that so many golfers I come across when I play pro-ams and I play playing lessons do not have a pre-shot routine. So let's talk about first, what is the importance or what is the point of a pre-shot routine? In my mind, after you're done with the pre-shot routine, you should feel a sense of commitment to the swing you're about to make. Okay, so how do we establish that sense of commitment to the swing I'm about to make? First off, we have to have a set of processes that we run through to arrive at that commitment. Okay, so a pre-shot routine for a very experienced golfer isn't just some sort of throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. It kind of changes from day to day. There's a process that they go through. Also, I'll walk you through my process and kind of pick out some things that I think that everybody could benefit from. So the first thing I do is I approach my golf ball and I assess the lie. I see how the ball is sitting in the grass. Is it a fairway lie? Is it a rough lie? Is it a tall grass lie? Is it a bare dirt lie? What is the lie? What's going on? From there, I take a look at where my target is, okay, and how much distance there is between my golf ball and the target. Those two variables, lie and distance to the target, are going to play a factor into what golf club I choose out of my bag, okay? Because the lie is going to influence the trajectory of the shot that I'm going to be able to hit. So out of some rough, it's going to be difficult to hit anything lower lofted. Typically, I'm going to need a little bit of loft to make sure I get through that rough. So if the target is a long ways away, that might dictate that I have to hit something short of the green potentially if the lie is really bad. So I need to know all that sort of stuff. So a lot of people just run up here they take a look at the distance, they don't assess the lie, and they just grab the club that they typically would hit from a perfect lie to that distance without saying, okay, the rough is going to influence this. So those two factors are going to help me arrive at the club that I'm going to pull out of the bag. So I actually don't pull a club out of the bag until I've stood there, assessed the lie, 
assess the distance and visualize in my mind the trajectory that the lie is going to dictate that I can execute. So now that I've got my club, the next thing I want to do is stand behind my golf ball and visualize how I want the ball to get to the target. This is so important. So few people take the time to visualize how they want the ball to actually get to the target. If you've been watching golf recently, the advent of the shot tracer, that beautiful line that shows you the path of the ball after the player strikes it is so important. I think that's been a game changer for so many because you can start to visualize the shot shape and see what the player was seeing in their mind's eye before they actually swung the club. Cause I promise you every high level golfer can visualize that little tracer in their mind some degree with some nuance each player is a little bit different and they can visualize that and that informs the brain as to how they need to move the club to bring that shot to life so that arrives at our next step of this pre-shot routine once we visualize the shot we need to then understand the impact conditions how the face and the path of the golf club need to interact with that golf ball to bring that shot to life so let's say i'm going to play a draw Okay, and I want the ball to start out to the right of my target and curve back onto my target. I'm a right handed golfer. So I need to know that the face angle determines where the golf ball starts. So if I want the ball to start out to the right of my target, I need my face angle to be a little bit open to the target line at impact. Okay, because I need the ball to start right. The face determines where the ball starts. And I need the path to be a little bit more to the right of the target line than the face. And I need that face to be a little left of my path. Okay, so the path needs to be to the right of the face, face close to path, but they both need to be to the right of my target line. Because if I don't understand that, then I will never have an idea as to how that club needs to move through impact. So let's recap a little bit here. We've got assess the lie, find the target, visualize the trajectory that's going to be dictated by that lie, stand behind the ball visualize that tracer in my mind of how the ball is going to arrive to the target that informs the brain as to the face and path combination that is needed to bring that shot to life. And now I'm going to stand back here behind my ball and I'm going to make some rehearsal swings trying to feel out that face and path. This is really important. These rehearsal swings actually have a purpose of trying to feel out the bottom of my swing as it relates to the shot that I just saw. Nobody does this that I play with. They just make full swings and they say, ooh, that felt good or that doesn't feel good. But felt good or doesn't to what? Compared to what? There's no reference because they haven't visualized the shot. So once I've done that, I will step back behind my ball one more time, get myself set. I'll establish my grip. I'll walk in. I'll place my club face pointing in the direction I want the ball to start. I'll establish my stance. And then from there, I'm taking a couple looks at my target. And then I'm going to execute the swing that I was just rehearsing. Okay. Again, after all of that, I've checked off the boxes. I've checked the variables. And I am now committed to the swing that is going to bring the shot I just visualized to life. Okay. So the point of the pre-shot routine, the point of my pre-shot routine is to make sure that I'm fully committed to the shot and the swing I'm about to make. So you need to build your own pre-shot routine that establishes that same level of commitment when you go out and play golf. Okay. Next question. I think this is one of the more important ones that we're going to talk about today. And this is a question that I just got, which is establishing the proper distance from the golf ball. Okay. So this is a question that I answer several times a month, maybe daily. 
on my lesson tee. And this is a question that seems to confuse a lot of golfers. And I'm going to make it incredibly simple for you to understand and to get this right pretty much every time that you step to a golf ball. Okay. So the distance from the ball, I think that is going to fall into the broader category of balance. How do we get into a balanced address position? Okay. Balance might be the unsung hero of every great golf swing. So if we start a golf swing out of balance, we are going to have to find some sort of balance throughout the swing. And that is going to move our body parts around unnecessarily during the motion. Okay. So if we can establish a sense of balance before the swing begins, we're going to be able to stay in balance. We're going to be able to stay consistent with our body motion. We're going to be able to stay nice, smooth, and quiet motion throughout the swing. So the first part that so many people neglect is this golf club, okay? How the golf club is designed to sit at a dress. So we're going to be talking about the sole or the bottom of the golf club to start. So for a chip shot or a swing with less club head speed, Okay, so not a lot of club head speed. First thing we need to understand here is that for a full swing, so let's back up. The first thing we need to understand here for a full swing, the forces acting on this club shaft are actually going to flex the club shaft outward. So you can see here that I'm pushing my thumbs outward in this direction and I'm bowing or flexing that club shaft outward. Okay, that happens when you make a full golf swing. So when that happens, the toe of your golf club is going to droop or move down towards the ground, okay? That happens at fuller speed. So what do we need to do? We need to prepare ourselves for that occurrence in our dress position. So we need to actually set up with the toe of our golf club slightly off the ground. So I'm talking about from the middle of the sole outward to the toe, ever so slightly off the ground. So when that natural drooping effect occurs, the toe of the club droops, it has room to droop, so now the sole of the club interacts with the turf perfectly flush, okay? So when we chip, we don't create enough club head speed for that shaft to do that. There's not enough forces acting upon it, so the toe will not droop, okay? So we just need to know those two nuances. So for a chip shot, we want the club to sit perfectly flat on the ground, the sole of the club from toe to heel. For a full swing, we need the toe of the club to be ever so slightly off the ground so when the club droops, the toe can sit flush to the turf at impact because the most important bit is at impact, all right? So we need to understand those two things because it's going to dictate our distance from the golf ball. Now, let's say I'm going to make a full swing. So before I ever make this full swing, I want to make sure that I set the club down behind that golf ball with the toe of the club ever so slightly up in the air. Notice how that establishes an angle of the club shaft relative to the ground. So it is my job as the golfer to build my setup around this golf club in its position. If I had some magical powers, I would set this club and I would allow it just to hover here. And so I can kind of wander around a little bit and get comfortable setting myself up to the shaft in the club head in this position. But I can't. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to lightly hold this golf club with my top hand with my left hand and i'm just gonna understand that i need to set up to the club shaft in this orientation so what are a few other things that we need to do to establish the correct distance from the club so notice how the golf ball is in the center of my club face so essentially i'm not going to move the club head 
or the golf ball. Those things are set right now. I'm going to now adjust myself to the grip. Okay, that now we're talking about adjusting ourselves to the grip because the club head and the ball are set up where we need to be. So a couple things we need to understand is that we want our arms to be hanging straight down from our shoulders and we want to be balanced between our toes and our heels. Okay, so now I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to walk in a little bit here. Notice how I'm patting my feet to the ground, trying my absolute best not to disrupt the shaft angle that I just set. And I'm going to get myself in a position where my arms are hanging straight down from my shoulders and I'm perfectly balanced from toe to heel. So you can see I'm rocking back and forth from toe to heel. I'm trying to find that perfect point where I'm balanced essentially in the arches of my feet and my shoulders and my arms are hanging straight down from my shoulders. The toe of the club is ever so slightly up off the ground. And I have not disrupted that relationship between the toe of the club and the ground. Okay, so this is me getting into the proper distance from the ball via good balance, arms hanging from the shoulders, equal distribution from toe to heel with my weight. Okay, so I'm going to walk through that here. I'm going to show you how I walk into the ball and how I do that in my pre-shot routine and put it all together in one smooth motion. So I've established my grip. I'm going to walk into the golf ball. The first thing I'm going to do before I do anything else is I'm going to put that club head down right behind that golf ball with the toe of the club ever so slightly up. Notice how I've set the angle of the shaft. I haven't set my feet. I've got my arms hanging under my shoulders, however. That's an important part that we get right off the bat. The arms are hanging right underneath the shoulders. Now from here, I'm not going to move my arms distance from the grip. I'm not going to disrupt that nice balance of arms hanging, and I'm going to go ahead and get my feet equally balanced from toe to heel. Now, I've done this thousands of times, so I know where that balance is. You might have to move around a little bit to get into that nice balanced position, but that is how we're going to get the nice, perfect distance from the golf ball. And you're going to use that same process from putter through driver. You're going to put the club on the ground just the way it's designed for the swing speed you're about to create. Then you're going to emphasize arms hanging from shoulders, feet perfectly balanced from toe to heel. That's how you're going to find the perfect distance from the golf ball every single time. Okay, so next topic up for discussion is how the hands are placed on the club and their effect on the golf swing. And this is a really important topic for people to understand. So our hands are the only physical connection to this golf club, this little inanimate object here. This thing's not going to go anywhere without the hands involvement. And how we orient our hands on the grip is going to influence the king of the golf swing, the most important element of the swing, and that is the club face. So you can see here that I've got this magnet applied to the face of my club, and this is going to show you where the face is pointing throughout the golf swing. Okay, so a lot of times in golf, we hear terms like that grip is weak or that grip is strong or that grip is neutral. But I want you to think about them in slightly different terms. Instead of a weak grip, I want you to think about it as a open-faced grip. Instead of a strong grip, I want you to think about it as a closed-faced grip. And instead of a neutral grip, I want you to think about it as a square-faced grip. Okay? So let's understand that how we put our hands on the club is going to influence where the face is pointing unless, and this is a big unless, we do something to our wrist angles at the top of the swing or throughout the swing to alter the club face's position. Okay, so I'm going to use these two T's here and I'm going to wedge them between the creases of my thumb and index finger on both left and right hand. So it's going to show you kind of where those creases are angled. And so 
I'm going to set this golf club on the ground with the club face pointed down my imaginary target line here. And we're going to first talk about a weak or in this case, an open face grip. So both of the T's in the creases of my hands are going to be pointed to the left side of my body. And this is a common, common grip that I see a lot of players bringing to lesson T. So you can see that both T's are pointed to my left from my point of view, looking down. This is what we call an open faced grip. Okay. So when I swing this golf club back, my forearms are going to want to react by moving or turning to the right. And when they do that, that is going to open the face of my golf club. Now, if I continue to go up to the top of my swing with this newly open face, the toe of my golf club is going to be hanging straight down to the ground. My left or lead wrist is likely to be cupped and the face is going to be open at the top of the backswing and open in the downswing. Unless I go to the top of my backswing and I add a ton of lead wrist flexion or bowing. So you can see that that completely alters the angle of the club face from cupped to flexed and bowed. Look how that magnet is changing its orientation. And all I'm doing is I'm changing my wrist angles. So this kind of brings about that image of like John Rahm or a Colin Morikawa at the top of a backswing. They both start with some more weak or open faced grip orientation and they adjust the face by adjusting their wrist angles at the top of their swing going into more of this bowed lead wrist all right but i would not advise that for a lot of people that takes a ton ton of wrist flexibility wrist mobility and practice spent doing that so the next one closed face grip or a stronger. So I'm going to do the exact opposite. I'm going to point these T's over to my right side from my point of view looking down. Okay. So now from the T's pointed here, the right side of my body looking down, I am going to go up to the top of my backswing. And that is going to put this club face in a very closed position. So you can see that if my lead wrist, my left wrist were completely flat in this case, the club face is going to be pointing almost straight up towards the sky. So this brings about sort of like a Zach Johnson or a Brandon Steele type of player to mine. Okay. Now, if I were to leave that wrist in that flattened condition and the face were to be up towards the sky and I came down in that condition, the face is going to be overly closed in the downswing and I'm likely to hit a lot of shots to the left. So what do I have to do and what do you see a lot of those players doing with those strong or closed face grip styles? Well, they add some cupping or extension to that lead wrist at the top of the swing and you'll notice that all of a sudden that magnet is pointing in two different locations. So I've got a flat lead wrist condition and a cupped or extended and now my face is more square and if I come down into the golf ball with that more cupped or extended lead wrist, my face is more square and I'm going to hit straighter golf shots. So if left untouched, that strong or closed face style grip position is going to hit shots left unless you do something to offset it. Again, not recommended. So the last grip style here, square faced or neutral grip, it's going to be where these T's are pointed more straight out in front of me as my point of view or the golfer looking down. Now from here, when I take the club back, it's going to keep the face much more square to my spine with a flattened or neutral left lead wrist position. The face is going to be more square. And as I come down into the golf ball, the face is going to be more square and I can hit straighter shots without manipulating it. Okay. So 
let's understand that how the hands are oriented on the club. Instead of a weak, let's think of it as an open face grip. Unless we do something to the wrist conditions, instead of strong, let's think of closed face. Unless we do something to the wrist conditions, and instead of neutral, let's think of square face, straight shots, without having to do a whole lot of manipulating to the wrist conditions. Okay, so last topic of discussion for today is early extension. This was one of the answers to the question I posed on Instagram. Uh, the most common question I got was, how do I solve for early extension? And this is a big one that I see a lot of golfers struggling with. So very similar to the first question that we talked about, the first topic of avoiding or eliminating that chicken wing follow through is we need to understand that early extension is a direct result of what happened prior to it in the downswing. And oftentimes early extension and chicken winging actually come in a nice little combo meal, even though that's not what we want. So if we can fix this one element and it's going to be very similar to what we talked about earlier, uh, where the club shaft is pointing in the downswing, we can start to chip away at eliminating both the early extension and the chicken winging. PXG has done it again with the launch of a new lineup of drivers, fairways, hybrids, and irons. The new Gen 5 golf clubs deliver significantly increased MOI, faster ball speeds, longer distances, and tighter dispersions, all coupled with the exceptional feel and sound golfers have come to expect from PXG. Schedule your custom fitting or buy online at pxg.com. So why do we early extend? Remember, there is no just random occurrences, random events that happen in the golf swing. Your body is always trying to figure out a way to help you hit better shots. We need to understand that without the early extension, you'd probably be hitting it worse. So a lot of people try to eliminate the early extension just on its own without understanding that a couple, sometimes several variables need to change to get the early extension to go away. All right, so let's talk about why we early extend. So I've got my golf ball here, and we're assuming a straight line out from the ball uh, to our target. So there's our target line. We've established that. So why would I early extend? Well, what is early extension? Extension is essentially me going from this position of my spine lean forward over my waist. Okay, so I'm in a bit of a flexed spine position to extend it. So this would be me extended, kind of arching my back, and this would be me flexing. Okay, so we are extending our spine and we're doing it earlier in the downswing or earlier in the golf swing than we would want. Everybody goes into extension in their follow through, but we don't want to go into extension at impact. Okay, so why would we go into extension at impact? It has everything to do with the shaft and where the club head is in the downswing. So if I go up to the top of my backswing and my hands and my club shaft are both moving out in front of me, okay? For whatever reason, there could be several variables or reasons why it's happening, but let's say the hands and the club are moving out in front of me, and they're moving out in front of me too much too soon. Well, I need to get this club head on the golf ball somehow, and it's very high above me over here, and it's very, very much not in this slot or shallow or coming back down on plane. You can see that I need the club coming down in here somewhere, and the club head is way in front of me and way high above my head. Well, one of the things we can do as the golfer, going from this position of a flex spine, if I extend, if I move my pelvis in towards the ball and I move my head away from the ball, if I don't do anything to the shaft condition, other than those two things I just talked about, notice which direction this club shaft starts to point and where the club head starts to go. I'm going to do that a couple times for you. So as I'm doing this, as I'm moving my pelvis in and my head back, you're going to see that that club head is moving behind my body 
and the shaft is moving into a more shallow condition. So this movement, as I come into the golf ball and I start to early extend, is helping my club shaft shallow and the club head to get more on plane. But from here, obviously, I can't rotate. I've completely eliminated my position of my spine relative to the ground, so I've completely altered that condition. My spine is much more vertical. My arms are, my arms are now going to have to elongate for me to find the bottom of my golf swing, and I'm in a host of issues. So you are early extending. For the most part, there are a couple other reasons that we've seen, you know, very randomly in lessons, but this is easily the biggest cause of early extension is steep, steep club shaft early in the downswing and the hands way too far out in front of the body early in the downswing. And then we early extend to shallow the club and to get the club head back on plane. But it happens late in the downswing. You completely throw out your spine condition relative to the ground that you started with. And then you have to compensate throughout the rest of the golf swing from there. And it's very hard to be consistent on a day-to-day basis. So how do we get rid of that early extension? Very similar to the chicken wing. We need to get that club shaft shallowing early in the downswing. And we need to get the club face preparing itself for impact. So from here, understanding that rotation is going to move the club head out in front of my body. If I can get the club shaft more 90 degrees to my spine early in the downswing. And if I can get the lead wrist flexing and get the face closing. From here, I can stay flexed. I can rotate. I can stay flexed and rotate through impact. And then I can extend late in the golf swing. So I can extend late. We want to extend late. We don't want to early extend or extend early. Okay, so we got to get that club shaft shallowing. Got to get the club face preparing itself for impact. That is the only way that your body will be incentivized over time, moving the club shaft differently to stay in flex rotate and then to extend at the right time after impact well after impact okay so go ahead and watch some videos of some players like a Joaquin Neiman a Rory players who really get that club shaft to shallow they stay nice and flex their impact and then they really extend late you get a good idea for exactly what I'm talking about from a really really high-end golfer's perspective okay so you want to get rid of that early extension you got to understand things need to change prior to the early extension if you want to extend later in the swing. All right, everybody. So that's going to wrap up my time here on the Stripe Show podcast. Again, big, big thanks to Travis for inviting me to host today's episode. Talked about five different topics there as it relates to helping you play better golf. Some very common topics and swing issues that I see on my lesson tee on a daily basis. If you want to come take a lesson from me here in Seattle, come to the golf club at Newcastle experience a beautiful day here at my training facility and then go experience a beautiful lunch on the back patio overlooking downtown Bellevue and downtown Seattle. You can go to my website, www.keithbennettgolf to book that lesson. If you want to take an online or virtual lesson from me and work on your swing from the comfort of your own home, range or backyard net setup, whatever it may be, www.keithbennettgolf.com. You can find the link to my online lesson platform, which I do through the Skillist app. Okay. If you have any other questions, go ahead and DM me, follow me on Instagram at Keith Bennett Golf, TikTok at Keith Bennett Golf. You can DM me there. I'd be happy to answer any questions for you as well. So again, really happy to be here. Really pumped for the opportunity. Thank you to Travis. And I look forward to catching up with all of you soon. Take care.